Coming up on Locked On Dodgers, the Dodgers swept a doubleheader from the Diamondbacks. One close game and one not very close game. It was a lot of fun, and we have a ton to talk about about both of these games. So let's get Locked On Dodgers. You are Locked On Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Dodger fans. This is Locked On Dodgers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. Remember, this show is free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube simply by searching for Locked On Dodgers. Or even better, go ahead and subscribe wherever you're watching or listening right now, and then you'll never miss a day because you know we're not going to. If this is your first time listening or watching, my name is Jeff Snyder, my co-host is Vince Samperio. We're doing a split episode today, so it'll be me for the first half and Vince for the second half. Vince and I are both lifelong Dodger fans just like you are. We've also both spent time covering the Dodgers in the press box and the locker room. So we're not quite insiders, which is probably a good thing, but we bring you the smart fans perspective on our boys in blue every weekday morning. So again, please subscribe wherever you're watching and listening, and let's talk about the Dodgers. As I said, the Dodgers won this doubleheader. They won the first game 7-6, to six, a close one uh, that got pretty close. I think the uh, the Diamondbacks had a tying run on base in the ninth inning. They scored one run uh, with a little help from the umpire. Uh, Dave Roberts even got himself ejected, which we don't see very often. He's very mild-mannered. But third-base umpire Larry Vanover, who just the night before had a pretty rough night as the home plate umpire, uh, he blew a call. It was about as bad as the Darren Ruff check swing missed call last year against the Giants. Uh, again, it would have been a strikeout in the first batter Craig Kimbrell faced. Instead, that batter ended up walking and scoring the sixth run of the game for the D-backs. Dave Roberts from his third base dugout left-handed hitter had a very good view of the fact that the guy definitely swung. And he let Larry Vanover know what he thought and was promptly ejected for his thoughts. I, I was a little bummed that the second game wasn't closer because uh, there was nothing for Dave Roberts to get upset about. I would have loved if Roberts, mild-mannered, even-tempered, guy who people get mad at for not getting ejected more often, Dave Roberts had gotten ejected in both ends of a doubleheader because uh, that doesn't happen very often and it would have been funny. But uh, I'll take a big win instead. Uh, the A few things to talk about about this. Actually, uh, really quick, let's let's talk about a little bit of news uh, we got news the other day. It, it came down, and we haven't talked about it yet, I don't think, and so I thought I'd just mention it here. Trevor Bauer's appeal is set to start on May 23rd, which is you know, just a few days from now. So you might think, oh, good, we're getting close to the resolution of this. But um, they say that the, the, res- the appeal process will take place. This is a, a quote from the Athletics article about it will take place over several days a month for the next few months based on arbitrator availability. And uh, sounds like people don't expect it to get resolved for several months. So that's the latest. Matt Harvey's suspension for his drug issues came down on Tuesday. Trevor Bauer tweeted about that. I think the point Trevor Bauer was trying to make was that Trevor Bauer's uh, suspension should be shorter since Matt Harvey only got 60 uh, games for dealing drugs in the locker room and including, you know, a teammate of his died of those drugs. No, I don't know how directly it was, but anyway, I think Bauer's point was that Bauer's suspension should have been shorter. Uh, but, uh, I, I think of anything, Matt Harvey's definitely should have been longer. And, uh, 
Yeah, but it's not like Matt Harvey's ever going to play in baseball again anyway because he's bad at pitching, and now he's been suspended for being a drug dealer. So hard to picture any team taking a chance on a drug-dealing crappy pitcher. So, uh, But Trevor Bauer's appeal starts next week and don't expect it to be resolved anytime soon. Uh, moving on to back to the, the doubleheader, I want to talk a little bit about Craig Kimbrell. Um, Kimbrell got the save in the first game. Uh, like I said, he came in with a 7-5 to five lead. He gave up the one run. If if the umpire had gotten that call right, Kimbrell would have had a 1-2-3 inning with three strikeouts. Uh, he struck out the next two batters. Then uh, by that time, the runner was on third base. He, he had taken second on uh, in def, defensive indifference probably. And then Kimbrell actually intentionally balked him over to third base. And then Kettle Marte got a base hit to score him. Um, so, you know, if the umpire gets, gets it right, it's a, it's a three strikeout one, two, three inning, which looks great. Uh, but he didn't. And instead Kimberl out a run and let the tying run get on base. And I mentioned the Darren rough check swing, which if you'll remember that, that happened in the game where Kenley Jansen, if the umpire gets that D- Darren rough check swing, correct. The Dodgers win the game. Kenley gets the save. If Sheldon Noisy knows how to stretch for a ball at second base, the Dodgers win. Kenley gets a save. As it was, Kenley ended up with the blown save and the loss. It was against the Giants. Ended up being a huge thing. And that was, I believe that was the third of three straight blown saves for Kenley Jansen. It might have been the second of three. Anyway, it was right in the middle. He had the the blown save against the Rockies right before the All-Star break. And then two blown saves against the Giants immediately after the All-Star break. And so anyway, uh, this Kimbrel game reminded a lot of people of Kenley Jansen and the, the roller coaster that it used to be sometimes when Kenley would be in the game. And I saw a few people on Twitter, uh, you know, that phrase, same energy. Uh, it's a kind of a, a buzz phrase. Uh, is that the phrase version of buzzword? Anyway, a thing that people like to say, you know, keep that same energy that you had for Kenley uh, with, with Kimbrel doing the same thing, basically. And so I was thinking, okay, why do we feel differently about Kimbrough? And I came up with a few things. And I don't know if it's everything, but for me, this is just me personally, why I am less worried when Craig Kimbrough's on the mound than I was sometimes last year, especially the first half of last year when Kenley Jansen was on the mound. Let me start by saying Kenley Jansen, after those two blown saves against the Giants, he was great. He and that had 17 straight saves the rest of the season was really, really good the rest of the year. But that first half of the season, even when he was being successful, it was always, you know, he had some games. There was a game against the A's. He was just dominant, just great stuff, throwing his cutter 95 miles an hour with great movement. Um, but then there were other games that he just he wasn't getting strikeouts. So anyway, uh, he, there was a lot of concern sometimes when Kenley would come in the game. Uh, and a few things that came up. One thing is velocity. Craig Kimbrell's throwing 98. His stuff looks really good. I honestly believe if Kenley Jansen was throwing 98 miles an hour last year when he was struggling, people wouldn't have been as concerned because when you have that kind of stuff, you can get out of it. And what we saw was Craig Kimbrell, after giving up the, the run scoring hit, he struck out another dude. He ended up with three strikeouts or four, depending on how you want to talk about the umpire's error. But, you know, Kimbrell has the stuff to get a strike at any time he needs. And Kenley Jansen last year didn't always seem to have that stuff. He was leading the league in, in lowest average exit velocity. But as we talked about with regards to Bruce Dark Ratter, we've talked about with Blake Trinan a few times over the last couple of years, 
soft contact is still contact and bad things can happen and you need strikeouts to be a dominant closer. And there were times last year uh, when Kenley didn't have that. And, and some of that was the velocity. And, uh, you know, speaking of that strikeout rate last year uh, in that first out, I, I looked, pulled up Kenley's numbers from the start of the season through that second blown save with the Giants, because I do think those kind of the the roller coaster leading up to those three blown saves and then those three blown saves that kind of cemented in people's uh, minds what Kenley was. And so a lot of people just overlooked or didn't notice that he was really good the rest of the year. So, but since we're talking about the fan opinions of Kenley Jansen, I thought it was fair to do up through those three blown saves and his numbers there, because that's what shaped that fan opinion and Kenley's strikeout rate uh, during that time was uh, 27%, struck out 27% of hitters. Craig Kimbrough this year is striking out 30%. Not a huge difference, but it is a, I mean, it's a difference. It's a uh, a noticeable difference. Kimbrough is striking out more guys than Kenley did in that first half. The other thing, and this is what I think is the biggest thing, is the walks. Craig Kimbrough has an 8%, 8.5% walk rate. Kenley Jansen last year in those, you know, through that, those three blown saves had a 16% walk rate, basically almost twice as high as Kimbrell's walk rate. Kenley, when you walk guys, it's infuriating to fans, you know, and, and Kimbrell, he did walk a guy in this game, which he should have struck him out. Um, but you know, that's been rare. Kimbrell only has four walks in 11 appearances this season. And I think that more than anything is the reason why we would stress about Kenley more than we have about about Kimbrel because for the most part Kimbrel's at least throwing strikes and and with his stuff he's gonna get the outs if that makes sense so that, that I feel like you know I'm not saying it's right not saying it's fair but that's why for me I feel more comfortable than I did at times with Kenley last year because Kimbrel's got the good stuff and he's not walking guys so. Uh, I'm going to come back in a minute. Just going to talk a little bit about Tyler Anderson and the great start he made in the second game of this doubleheader. So thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every day, and please keep it Locked On Dodgers. With spring in the air, it's a time of renewal and growth, personally and professionally. As your small business grows, LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know that every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MLB. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, I am back. I want to thank you again for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every day. Uh, when you're done with this, maybe for your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast. There's recaps of MLB games with analysis from our local experts, taking fans through the season like no other network. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, I want to talk a little bit about Tyler Anderson. You remember in his last start, he took one for the team. He didn't have it. He struggled. He gave up a bunch of runs, and he still battled his way because he knew the team needed innings from him. So 
Dave Roberts left him out there longer than he normally would have. The Dodgers ended up almost coming back and win- winning that game. And, you know, Vince and I talked the next day about whether it was the right decision to leave Anderson in that long. And ultimately, the Dodgers didn't really have another choice. They needed to get those innings from him. And he did a pretty good job settling down and getting through, I think he went six innings. Uh, and, and that was huge for the Dodgers in that situation. Well, on Tuesday, it looked like it was maybe going to be more of the same because he gave up back-to-back home runs in the first inning, put the Dodgers in a quick uh, down-to-nothing hole, uh, and you thought, oh, come on, Tyler, eat some innings. Well, he ate some innings, and he didn't give up anything else. He ended up going seven innings, allowed just those two runs, and threw just 82 pitches. He probably could have come back out for the eighth. I don't know if there was any discussion internally. I didn't hear anybody ask him or Dave Roberts about that after the game, so I don't know if there was any thought of him coming back out for the eighth, but he went seven innings, and that was huge for the Dodgers in this stretch of games, um, and it definitely helps that the offense jumped on uh, whatever that dude's name is, uh, Merrill Kelly, came into the game with a 171 ERA and left with a 327 ERA for the season. Uh, I loved it, but the offense jumped on. So by the time, I think after three innings or four innings, the Dodgers were up eight to two. And so at that point, it was a laugher. And Tyler Anderson was able to just focus on throwing strikes, settle in, go seven innings. And in the end, the Dodgers only used one relief pitcher. They used Phil Bickford to pitch the top of the eighth. And then they used uh, position player Hanser Alberto to pitch the ninth inning. He gave up one run, but other than that, look, you know, look good. As good as a position, pl- position player pitching can look. But I was really impressed with the way Tyler Anderson bounced back after his big struggle last time out. And just, you know, it, the word professional gets overused. They're literally all professional ball players. That's. I mean, if, when they go to the doctor and fill out a form and the form says, what's your profession? They put professional ball player. You know, that's what they are. But, you know, when somebody says he's a real professional, they're talking about what, what Tyler Anderson did on Tuesday, going out there and knowing I need to give this team some innings. And, and in order to do that, I need to be efficient and effective. And he was both of those things. And, and it was great. And so Tyler Anderson... He's not going to win the Cy Young Award. He's probably not even going to be in the Dodgers rotation at the end of the year. Who knows what's going to happen. But right now, he is giving them innings that they need, sometimes in a losing cause like last week against the Phillies and sometimes in a winning cause like like Tuesday against the Diamondbacks. But uh, when you're looking for a number five starter, when you have an offense like the Dodgers, a guy who can give you six innings, or in this case seven, is huge. And, and keep the, keep your team in the game. Give the offense a chance to win. You know, you know, that's all they could ask for from, from Tyler Anderson. So I was very impressed with that. I like what I'm seeing from Tyler Anderson. Like I said, he's not going to win any awards. He's not the best pitcher in the world, but he's solid, and he's giving them innings, and I really appreciate that as a Dodger fan. So I just want to bring that up. Uh, that's going to do it for me today. Vince uh, watched both of these games. He, he then uh, spent, well, I guess he followed along with the second game while at Disneyland on Tuesday night. Poor kid. Uh, so he's got plenty to talk about, about these games. It's fun. Dodgers have a four game winning streak going on right now, looking to sweep the, the D backs in another day game today. So, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll all be happy with the four game sweep and a five game winning streak going into the off day. And then they head to Philadelphia to try to get some revenge. So that's it for me. And Vince will be along in a minute. Let's talk about birthday cake puffs from built. Yes, our favorite Built Bars now have a Built Puff birthday cake. It tastes like a little slice of birthday cake, 
but it's good for you. 150 calories, 16 grams of protein, only 9 grams of sugar. It's all the goodness of a slice of birthday cake without all the guilt after of you just ate birthday cake. I mean, if you feel guilt, some people don't feel guilt. But either way, even if you don't feel guilt, these birthday cake puffs are still really good for a nice little snack whenever you need on the go. Uh, it's honestly, they're great. I've had them the last few days. I'm going to buy some limited time, limited time flavors. So go get them now because they won't be there for long. So go to built.com. Check out the birthday cake puffs. Use the promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your order. That's built.com. Promo code LOCK15 for 15% off. Yo, 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 Dodger fans. Vince here to close out the episode. And it was a fun Tuesday at Dodger Stadium. Doubleheader, Mexican Heritage jerseys, or Mexican Heritage night. Passing out the jerseys. The mariachi, the folklorico, everything out there. Dodgers won both games. I'm going to talk a little bit about the offense uh, and some guys that stood out. But just in, if you were out there for either game or both games, uh, yeah, it looked like a fun time. So I'm, I'm a little bit jealous. But uh, either way, let's start off with Evan Rios, a guy who has, we talked about, about uh, maybe deserving a little bit more playing time few weeks ago or at least trying to get him some playing time a few weeks ago and a guy that has gotten that playing time and has thrived with it uh you go back to may 9th when redwin rio started getting a little bit more playing time you got may 9th he's played in six games since then and he's hit three home runs with 10 rbi striking out i mean still struck out uh, one, two, three, four, or five, six, seven, eight, eight times uh, in those in those games. But either way, he's still being productive, and you know, hitting home runs opposite field, hitting home runs pull side, looking like somebody that could you know be a guy in the middle of that Dodgers lineup if they need be. Um, you know, with Max Muncie continuing to struggle, I don't think we'll ever see Max Muncie you know fully kind of not bench but i don't you know ever see him coming out of the lineup on a daily basis but might be time here and there for an extra day off you know justin turner even though he's heating up an extra day off you can see it happening there um you know gavin lux whoever else an extra day off here and there to get edwin rios's bat into lineup at least until he cools down and it's one of those where roberts said uh, the other day where in a span, when you have this many games and this many days, uh, it's a little bit easier to ride a hot hand because, you know, it, it seems to make sense that when you're playing every day and if you have a hot hand, uh, it, it makes sense to, to ride that hot hand. So Edwin Rios might uh, see himself in the lineup a little bit more over here in these next few weeks when the Dodgers still have a bunch of games in a bunch of days. But for a guy like him who has, I know Freddie Freeman alluded to it, I think Justin Turner alluded to it, you know, just how hard it is to come off not being a starter, uh, getting spot starts here and there to just come off and be able to be productive is is not easy. And Edwin Rios has made it look easy here the last uh, week and week or so. And, you know, it's just a testament and a difference in this year's team to last year's team, because, you know, we've seen Hanser Alberto uh, who got to who actually got to pitch on on Tuesday night? We've seen him make contributions off the bench. We've seen Austin Barnes 
uh, show some power a little bit this year. And then we've seen Edwin Rios now and, and uh, you know, whoever else comes off the bench. There hasn't been an, an automatic out like there was last year. You know, on, uh, Billy McKinney, Steven Souza, DJ Peters, Zach Rex, all those guys last year, they just came up and couldn't quite figure it out. The Dodgers really missed Edwin Rios last year, and we can see why now. Because he's a guy who can carry an offense on the night if you need to, or he's a guy that can contribute to a big night offensively, and he's been able to do that here, and it's been fun to see. Uh, we moved from a guy who hadn't been, who were a guy from the bench, that's getting some playing time to a guy that's been playing pretty much every day. That's Mookie Betts. And just the continued rise and success of Mookie Betts. I mean, another home run on Tuesday. Uh, you look back at his last 15 games. He's hitting 302 with an OPS of 960. Five home runs, 14 RBIs, uh, 19 hits, 16 runs scored. I think I saw a stat where Mookie Betts has the most runs scored through the Dodgers uh, first or tied. For the most runs scored through the first 36 games for anybody in Dodger history, 35 runs scored, leads the league. And, you know, as we know, that when Mookie Betts goes, this offense goes, and that just remains to be a fact. And it continues to show here, uh, you know, even though the Dodgers obviously had, had lost four in a row, but either way, when the Dodgers have won, it's been partially on Mookie Betts' back. And you look at his baseball savant page, and you look, you see a lot more red than we did before, especially early in the year. He's up to uh, pinkish and red-ish, which is good on hard hit percentage, on expected batting average, expected slugging percentage, on expected WOBA. Uh, he's was already pretty high in with percentage and chase rate in terms of not chasing and not swinging and missing too often, but continued to stay high there. Uh, climbed a little bit in average exit velocity. He's still not quite pink there, uh, 49th percentile, but he's he's moving on up. And what we're just seeing is more consistent contact. Before, you know, early on when he started hitting a little bit better, it was kind of like every other Dodger where it was maybe one great game, three for four, four for four, uh, and then the next night, 0 for four. Now we're seeing a little bit more consistency, you know, getting on base every night, uh, whether it's walk, whether it's hit making himself out there on the on the base pass. You know, he said he likes playing with Freddie Freeman because, you know, Freddie Freeman likes to drive him in. You know, Trey Turner's been driving him in. People have been getting him in. And it's just a matter of, you know, runs scored is one of those stats where uh, I think they were talking about on one of the radio broadcasts when I was listening on Tuesday, and it might uh, maybe Rick Monday or Trey Steiner, whoever was on, was saying how it might be like a little bit of an underrated stat. And I think that's mostly because, yeah, you can, it could, it's like a double-edged sword. You can get on base at a clip of 400, but if you don't score, that's not necessarily your fault. It's the guys behind you. So run scored is a little bit, you know, partially dependent on you getting on base, partially dependent on the people behind you to knock you in. Uh, you know, I don't know if there's a necessarily a redeemable quality um, that's like, oh, yeah, you're more susceptible to scoring runs. You know, speed is probably one of those. But even then, if you get on base, it doesn't matter how fast you are, you're not going to score single-handedly for the most part. So, but either way, knowing that you have Freddie Freeman, that you have Trey Turner, that you have guys behind you that can hit you in, 
you know, getting on base is a skill. And then finding ways to score runs is a combination of skills between you and the people behind you. So, you know, shout out to Mookie Betts for getting on base and, and getting those runs home uh, with, and hitting himself home. I mean, he's got eight home runs on the season now. Like I mentioned, five in the last 15 games. Uh, you know, that's one way to, to score some runs and, and make it dependent on yourself is to hit home runs. So, you know, shout out to Mookie Betts. Uh, turn around on the season, and hopefully this is what we get the rest of the season because this is the Mookie Betts that the Dodgers traded for. This is the Mookie Betts that they – you know, gave that big extension to, and this is a Mookie Betts that's fun to watch. I'm one of the best players in all of baseball. Uh, we move on to one of the other best hitters in all of baseball, Freddie Freeman, and Freddie Freeman has continued to show why the Dodgers went after him and continued to show why he's been one of the best hitters in baseball, and not so much, you know, the power is going to come, I would imagine, uh, especially now that the baseball is flying a little bit more. But, I mean, you look at it, in twenty last year, Freddie Freeman had 31 home runs, 2019, 38 home runs, 2016, 34 home runs. He's had the 30-plus home run seasons, but for the most part, he's had a lot of 20-plus 20 20 home run seasons um, and only a, a couple or three 30-plus home run seasons. Uh, but what we're seeing this year out of Freddie Freeman is he is really working that left side of the field. Uh, especially in terms of hitting the ball in the air. And, you know, yeah, even yesterday he said when he came up with the bases loaded and the crowd chanting Freddie, and he said he took a big cut on, on the on the first swing he took, uh, trying to hit a grand slam for, the, for that crowd to satisfy the crowd. And then he said after that, I just went back to wanting to hit the ball to left field. And Freddie Freeman's now up to 14 doubles on the season. I think he's tied for the MLB lead now in doubles. He's up to 313 on the season, hitting-wise, 913 OPS. Uh, he's been exactly what the Dodgers wanted when they signed him and exactly what they asked for. And it's just fun to watch Freddie Freeman hit because, like I said, the the, the pulls, you know, when he pulls a, a majestic home run, yeah, that's fun, but... Seeing him go the other way, hitting doubles or shooting a single through the left side is, you know, as, as somebody that appreciates the game of baseball, it's just so much fun. And, and it, it just makes it that much harder to get him out. And I feel like, you know, not having seen Freddie on a daily basis in the past, you know, I feel like this could be one of those things that leads to a, a, a power surge here in the next you know, a few weeks, you know, maybe pitchers pitch him a little different. They're tired of him shooting it to the left side. They're tired of him hitting doubles to the left side. Maybe they pitch him a little different, start coming in a little bit more, and then it starts getting into his wheelhouse because you make a little bit more mistakes, and mistakes are easily punishable when you're trying to come inside and you miss because you usually miss over the plate or right into a left-handed hitter's wheelhouse. So I believe Freddie Freeman's going to have a power surge soon, and if that does happen, remember who said it. Uh, but either way, yeah, Freddie Freeman's been fun. The Dodgers, uh, you know, realistically, you think about this team, and let's just say the, the Braves hadn't let Freddie Freeman go, and you think about, you know, what would the Dodgers have done? Because without Freddie Freeman, you know, the Dodgers would still be a winning team, but they wouldn't be where they are where they're at right now, and it's just, uh, you know, it's a thought that maybe you don't want to think of. 
Uh, but definitely a thought of, man, I'm very glad the Braves let Freddie Freeman walk because now we get to see Freddie Freeman on an everyday basis. And, man, that's been fun so far. So shout out to Freddie. You know, the rest of the Dodgers put up a lot of offense on Tuesday. And it was, you know, one game. It's different when you see a position player pitch because you're getting blown out. Not as fun. But seeing a position player pitch because you're the team that's blowing out, uh, that's always, you know, that's the way better side to be on, obviously. And, uh, yeah, that's what the Dodgers did on Tuesday night. So they go for the sweep here on Wednesday, another day game, 1 o'clock. And, yeah, we'll see what happens. But the other part, too, offensively is, you know, Merrill Kelly was – the D-backs pitching staff had been really, 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 really good. Part of that was Madison Bumgarner and Merrill Kelly. And the Dodgers chased Bumgarner in the fifth, giving up three runs. They chased Merrill Kelly very early in the game uh, in the second inning. So, you know, and the Dodgers, we saw them do that with Sean Manea early in the year. So the good thing is the Dodgers are able to hit good pitching. You know, obviously sometimes they get stifled by Pitching that maybe isn't as great, uh, but this offense is very capable of taking any pitcher, any starting pitcher down and uh, making it a rough day for them. So, But yeah, Dodgers go for the sweep on Wednesday, 1 o'clock. That's going to do it for us to hear today. Uh, come back tomorrow. We'll talk about the final game of the series. Hopefully talking about a four-game sweep, uh, four games in three days. So that's going to do it. Thank you all for listening. Thanks for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen of the day every day. Check out Locked On MLB for another listen with Paul Francis Sullivan, a.k.a. Sully. Brings you his unique perspective on the major leagues past and present. Free and available wherever you get podcasts. You can find us on social media, Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Dodgers. Jeff is on Twitter at Snydog. I'm Evan Samperio. If you want to call and leave us a voicemail or send us a text, you can do so at 323-863-5625. Or you can send us an email, LockedOnDodgers at gmail.com. We're here every weekday morning, and we hope you'll be with us when you get in your car or if you're at home. Tell your smart device play podcast, Locked On Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. Have a good one.